Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Liberty and the Law, the podcast series that examines the critical elements of a strong legal defense in criminal cases. Join respected attorney James Dore for this lively discussion on the rights of criminal defendants and the important role defense attorneys play in our legal system. We've mentioned from time to time in, in, the, uh, in the past here on Liberty and the Law uh, about the, that moment of anxiety you probably get when you see flashing lights in your rearview mirror. You realize you're being pulled over for a traffic violation. Now, here's a different uh, scenario you may have encountered. Uh, you're out at night. You turn onto a major street uh, heading home or whatever direction you're going, and maybe you come off uh, exit ramp from the highway, and suddenly in front of you you see a, a number of police cars with lights on. There's cones in the road, flares, and, and lights directing you to pull over. Now, these are known as roadside safety checks. They're becoming increasingly common in the suburbs, and uh, most drivers might not really be sure how to react if they encounter one of those. We'll find out today. Hi, everybody. This is Jim Mitchell. And, and those uh, roadside checkpoints are, are going to be our topic for the discussion today with Lavelle Law Criminal Defense Attorney James Dore. Uh, really an interesting topic, one that's uh, really increasing in, in how prevalent they are. So looking forward to getting Mr. Dore's take on all this. Uh, James, good afternoon, and we've got ourselves another great topic today. I think so, Jim. It's great to be back on. Great to talk to you again on another uh, important topic, I think. Yeah, in, in the community I live in, you know, I'm beginning to see these things on a, on a fairly regular basis. What, what's the purpose behind them? Well, the, the purpose of these uh, is in, you know, it's general uh, law enforcement, but it's got to be directed at, um, you know, to, to, well, let's get to basics. These are roadblocks, right? Um, in order to pass constitutional muster, there's certain things that has to be done. Otherwise, it's just going to be called a roadblock um, rather than a roadside safety check. The reason it goes by that terminology is that they're, um, you know, the police are, are uh, this kind of uh, activity has been approved by the Supreme Court, not for general law enforcement activities, but for, you know, like I said, the safety check um, aspect of it. So, you know, it's presumably on a on a road that's busy with lots of accidents. Um, there's a need to uh, uh, protect the public and protect public safety by, um, you know, enforcing traffic laws. So things like seat belts, they'll check for uninsured motorists, they'll check for driver's licenses, and they'll check for impaired motorists. So that's why this, under the guise of a safety check, what otherwise would be a roadblock and be offensive to the Fourth Amendment, is calling it a safety check and doing certain things gives it that constitutional permissible activity. Well, you mentioned the Fourth Amendment. Uh, Remind us, what exactly does that represent and and why is uh, their behavior in this regard then uh, on on the right side of that, according to the courts? Right. Well, it really protects protects citizens against unreasonable searches and seizures uh, on the part of a government or government agent. So... um, the reason here, this this has first or Fourth Amendment implications because you're being seized, right? Your person is being seized mm-hmm. at that roadblock when you approach it. You're stopped, you're detained, you're seized. So at that point, the the constitutional question becomes not whether this, the, you know, you've been seized because they, you know, we all agree you have been. It's whether that's a reasonable seizure of your body. So, you know. Most things are, that pass constitutional muster, as far as reasonable searches and seizures, are ones that are conducted with a warrant. You know, police have gone to a judge, uh, had a warrant application. It was signed by a judge, so that that search or seizure has been approved. That's considered reasonable because it's been passed. You know, that that 
has been authorized by a judicial uh, by mm -hmm. judicial signature. So it's that makes it reasonable. All right. Now here, when we're in a in a, in a roadblock scenario, there's no prior judicial scrutiny of this, but there's scrutiny of the methods. So because the methods are, um, you know, they're they're prescribed by um, the Supreme Court of what what kind of permissible activity can be engaged in, and it's and the citizen is viewed as having you know a, a, um, a small or slight intrusion on the citizen's you know right to travel. So that's the balancing test that the Supreme Court has done. Um, that's where it gets us to this this kind of discussion of what needs to be done at these roadsides, the, ro mm -hmm. the uh, you know, roadblocks. Okay. Yeah, and so there, there's a lot we'll walk through today in terms of you know some of the requirements and what really takes place. But but just to encapsulate there, what, I, what I'm hearing you say is that um, again they, they are in your interpretation a roadblock. Uh, clearly, people are being stopped, but the the public enforcement position as well, we're doing this to protect everyone, we're doing this to get bad drivers or uninsured drivers or people who are not protecting themselves with seatbelts off the road, therefore the positive to the to the overall is outweighs any negative to the individual who gets stopped. And in usual, the Supreme Court does these balancing tests, and when you look at the, the it's Michigan Department of State Police versus SITS, S-I-T-Z is, is the name, is the spelling of that. Um, you know the the Supreme Court did that balancing test. They looked at the, um, you know, the police interest in public safety, um, and they balanced that. Uh, you know, or the you know trying to prevent danger on our roads, mm -hmm. and you know they they couch it in those terms, um, balanced against the intrusion on you know our citizens' Fourth Amendment rights, um, and really it comes down to a balancing test. It, yeah. it a lot of Supreme Court test. So, um, when, they, when you hear less about the Constitution and more about, uh, you know, statistics and you know the carnage on the roadway, you can know they're deviating from a little bit from our our individual rights and going more towards the you know the protective action. Yeah. Now, in terms of that action, you you mentioned Michigan. Have there been any cases here in Illinois that have kind of covered this ground? I think the the, the Illinois case is uh, the Bartley decision um, would be the kind of the, the decision. It, it would be relied on in Illinois as kind of the seminal mm -hmm. case, People v. Bartley. And it really, you know, prescribes some methods um, that need to be um, followed in running these roadblocks. And, and in terms of some of those things, that when they, it's funny, I really began to notice them first by really seeing the announcements in the newspaper that, the you know, the checks would be taking place on, on certain days. And to me that seemed odd, you know, why are the police telling you where they're going to be? But is it correct that in order to, to get the court's uh, support on these, that they do have to sort of announce them as opposed to just making them uh, un unannounced and un unexpected? Right, right, exactly. Advanced publicity of the roadblock is one of those key factors that uh, the courts will look at in determining whether this roadside safety check was conducted in a constitutionally permissible manner. So there's several factors that courts can look at, but that would be one of the factors, whether that's advanced publicity of the um, roadside safety check. Okay. And, and roadside safety checks, as they're called, uh, set up by local law enforcement agencies. That's our topic for today on Liberty and the Law. You're hearing from uh, Attorney James Dore, a highly regarded criminal defense attorney from Lavelle Law. He's our our guests, our speaker here each month on the podcast, um, and we've got a good collection of these now. You can find them on iTunes 
Blog Talk Radio or by visiting LavelleLaw.com. Uh, and while you're on that site, you can also get James's background, some past articles he's written, and, and uh, take a look at some other criminal defense topics. But we're talking in there, James, about some of the requirements um, that need to take place. Um, it, it, when someone encounters these, are, are police pulling people over on just sort of a, a random basis, or, or how do you get selected to be the one that gets stopped? Right. It's, yeah, it's kind of that lucky selection. Um, no, the, the the factors and reason that the courts rely on these factors is because the um, there there should be in place procedural guidelines set up in advance that determine you know the location of the roadblock, the um, how many cars are going to be stopped, and the system of stopping those cars, whether it's every other one, every third car. There has to be an established protocol that's followed because what the courts are looking for is whether or not officers on scene had unfettered discretion or not. Um, if they're stopping every third car, it's not the officer's decision. It's just the, the, the sequence of the cars rolling up. Whereas if an officer is standing there and said, eh, this other car, I don't like the way they look. Let's stop that one too. Well, that would be unfettered discretion. So that's the thing. The, the, the guidelines are supposed to make this a more reasonable endeavor on the part of the police and you know, the following of those guidelines is, is supposed to ensure that this is something that's you know, the, not a violation of our constitutional rights. What what can happen or what should happen if you are one of those people who are, who are stopped at the check? What what exactly can the police do at that point when, when they pull you or ask you to pull over? Well, it's, it's still a limited uh, uh, prospect there. They're supposed to be looking for safety violations such as seatbelts, um, and, and no insurance. So really what you can do is be ready for these. Um, mm-hmm. Have your license ready, have proof of insurance ready, have your seatbelt on, all right? That can get you past a lot of what the purpose of this roadblock is, okay? But after that, I mean, it's not just carte blanche to, to start questioning citizens as they roll in. Um, your mm-hmm. constitutional rights don't stop just because you are at this roadblock. So you do still have a right to remain silent. You still have a right to an attorney in certain circumstances. So, um, you know, you don't have to answer every question. I know I, I always advise to be polite, have certain documents ready, and if they get beyond what they're asking for in these roadside questions, um, can ask simple things. You know, am I being re- detained? Am I free to leave? Um, what is your reason for asking these questions? Okay. Now, again, yeah. you want to be polite. You know, I don't want people to get arrested at these the uh, roadblocks just because they say the wrong thing. But um, you know, the point remains: you still are an American citizen. You still have rights under the Constitution, and you know, it's not unfettered discretion on the part of these police officers how they conduct these these tests. It's still supposed to be a uh, a, a safety check at these roadblocks. Can they can they conduct uh, sobriety tests at these? Well, they can, and that's the thing. If they if they have an indication that the a motorist has, you know, uh, had any amount of drink, so if odor of alcohol, admission to drinking, those sort of things will get you uh, further scrutiny at the te- at the roadside uh, at the roadblock. And I would think if you're if you're stopped at these, and they do tend to come up, you know, sort of quickly. You don't see them ahead of time. They're coming off a turn or a ramp somewhere. There's, in, in my experience, where I've seen a lot of cars, a lot of lights, and you're kind of caught off guard. Um, as, as a defense attorney, do you kind of look at those conditions and go, well, look, my, 
my client probably isn't going to perform well on some of these standard tests just because they're they're overwhelmed with all the stimuli around them, and and that that's not right. a fair you know advantage. It can be an off-putting uh, scenario. I mean, you're you're looking at uh, numerous police officers, not just one or two. There there'll be dozens. You'll have uh, a corresponding amount of squad cars, some with their lights mm-hmm. on. You'll, like you said at the beginning of the show, you'll have flares out there and lighted signs and all kinds of distractions. Well, is that the fairest place to conduct a, a, a test to see if you're impaired or not? You know, so really, it, it, the, the conduct of these these uh, roadside tests, I think it's it's they're hard enough as it is, and the more distractions you add on top of that. It takes mm-hmm. away from ability to perform. So, um, my advice and, on those, same as always, is refuse and decline. Yeah, absolutely. Decline test. You have uh, you've uh, certainly made that clear to us in the past, and I'm, I'm glad to hear that uh, that's the same situation. We've got about a minute or so left, and from your point of view, as a defense attorney, when you know that someone has received a citation through one of these roadside checks, uh, do you have a different way of going about your work and approach things differently? Ah. Exactly. I know what you're getting at here, Jim. Yeah, I, I would. I want to see the 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 paperwork on this. I want to see the the protocols followed. So I will be filing a demand, a subpoena ducis tecum, or a discovery motion, looking for all the information related to how they conducted that test. So or that that roadblock. So I want the protocol followed, the operational guideline. I want you know the advanced publicity that we mentioned earlier. I want to see everything that they have. If there's videos, I want them. If there's if there's maintenance records for for uh, breath machines on scene, I want them. So everything that they would you would normally have in a in a uh, custodial arrest situation where you're at a police department, a lot of times that's available right on hand. There'll be a trailer there with a breathalyzer machine in it. Well, those things have to be certified, you know, uh, and they, it's something that the defense attorney is going to want to double check. So, again, how these roadside safety checks, as they're called, how they're performed, and whether they followed all the operational guidelines, that's key because failure to follow the rules is kind of ripe territory for the defense attorney. Well, we certainly uh, did our best to try and cover a lot of ground here, but uh, as usual, uh, we can only get so far. So I want to thank Attorney James Dorr for being with us today. Uh, Again, you can get uh, plenty of information about his background, his practice, and uh, media, uh, whether it's videos, podcasts, or articles on a number of different topics by visiting lovellaw.com. So many thanks to Attorney James Dorr. I want to thank you for being with us as well. Uh, we're here each month with a new edition Liberty and the Law and a wide variety of topics related to criminal defense system. Thanks so much for listening. We look forward to talking with you again soon. <laughs>